Hello, everyone. We are continuing in our forward series, To the Cross, To the Crown. And really, it's a series about discipleship. And we've been answering the who, what, where, when, and why questions of discipleship. We've talked about why make disciples. We've answered the question, what is a disciple? We've even asked, how are disciples made? So today, here is our question that we're going to be answering. Who makes disciples? Who makes disciples? Um, we've been going through this, this graph, this discipleship graph throughout this series. And on, on your pullout, on this manila pullout, if you turn it over, there is a, a special box. We want all of you to, to memorize the discipleship graph. Because even after this series, we're going to keep coming back and referring to it. We think it's that good. So I want you to, to memorize it. So if you need to, to jot it down, go ahead. And the graph starts with the cross and the crown being rescued and transformed. So if, you are, if, if you're looking at it and you are on the left side of the cross, that means that you have not come to know Jesus, that you have not asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And then you, when you come to the cross, you've been reached and you've been rescued by the blood of Jesus and you enter into his kingdom. And from that point on, the rest of your life, you are growing up in his truths and heading towards transformation, being transformed in the image of Christ. And it's, it's a lifelong pursuit. Uh, today we're going to finish the graph and then um, but, to, or yes, last week, we actually talked about the ways in which you go from one end to the other. Because it's not done in our strength. It's not something that we have done or will continue to do. But it's, it's something that's done through God's word, God's spirit, God's people, and God's timing. And any of you who have experienced growth in the Christian life along this graph, which everyone on the face of the earth, we believe, is at some point along this chart... You've experienced growth through God's word, through God's spirit, through God's people, in God's timing, and a combination of, of between the four. And so today we're answering that question, who makes disciples? Who makes disciples? And so we're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 4, starting for verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers have one in the back. If you get one of the blue ones, it's on page 568. So just, we want God's word in front of all of you. So just, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't have it on your phone or, or your own Bible, just, just raise your hand. They have one for you. Again, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 11. This has kind of been our unofficial, official Bible passage for this series. So again, that's Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 11. And here's what it says. And it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So when we look at it, God has given us people who are gifted in the spirits, right? Teachers, evangelists, um, people who are good at prophesying. They, they're not the only ones in ministry. When we read this, they, we, God has given these people who are, who are advanced in their spiritual gifts to teach us that we are all in ministry. Have you ever thought of yourself in ministry? Have you got, I'm in ministry. I can already hear some of you thinking, I've never gone to seminary. What? I'm not part of that upper class. I, I'm not the most faithful or committed or, or you know, I, I, I'm supposed to minister someone. According to Paul, all of us 
are in ministry. We are ministry partners together because to, to do what? What are we in ministry for? To make disciples. We are, all made, we are all disciples and disciples disciple. So we are all in ministry. And what Paul says is to build up the church, to bring it together, to bring it to full maturity. And so we are all in ministry together. So that includes all of us. Like the passage that Pastor Derek um, read from the beginning of the service in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9, that we are all a holy priesthood. I mean, have you ever thought of yourself as a holy priesthood that you were bought with a price for something, to be a priesthood to, to each other and the, nation, and the rest of the nations? I mean, we're not just become Christians just to then for our own growth, but then also to be a ministers to each other. And as I look, even in this very room, we are just gifted with a lot of gifts and strengths. And someone who gets to work around here at South Shores, I, I just, it is one of my great joys to learn about the different gifts and strengths that you all have. Um, when I get to lead mission trips, I get to see this up close and personal because I get to meet, I mean, get to know some of you in a much more intimate level in the sense that we go away for 10, 14 days and you come back and you just know someone. So um, when we went to Costa Rica, I took Frank Ciccarelli with me. And Frank Ciccarelli is a plumber. He loves to plumb, okay? So we're... We are in Costa Rica, and anytime I'm on a mission trip, I'm just thankful that when you go into the facilities, there's just running water, okay? That's just, that means there's great plumbing, no matter where you are in the world. So I will have gone and used the facilities. It works. Thank, thank you, Jesus, okay? I come, I come out. Frank, he goes in and does his thing. He comes out. Did you see the plumbing in there? It is horrible. The thing's just about to burst. It's so weak. And he's, he's viewing it through the lens of a plumber. Right, where I, I'm viewing it through a completely different lens. I saw this in the Philippines last month where um, we had Peter Andriette, who he, he has started and created numerous restaurants. We walk into a restaurant, and it was great, fine, clean. It looks like we'll be well-fed. We sit down, and, and Peter goes, did you see that? What, what did you see? Did you see how many wait staff were waiting for us here and how they served us and got us our water and, and got us all seated? That was amazing. No, I did not see that, Peter. Thank you for sharing. But just seeing it through his lens of a restaurateur, I think that's how you call it, or call him, and see how he sees the rest of the world. And that's just on our like, physical strengths or our, our earthly strengths. But what we're talking about is spiritual strengths. And to see how God has used you in your life and experience and in reading God's word and in, in your time with dwelling with the spirit, using of other people, uh, God's people, and in God's timing, it is, an it is an incredible joy for me just to, to just get a taste of it every week as we gather here in the body. And so we are supposed to use that experience to, to grow and to bring all of us to transformation in ministry. But see, I've, some of us, it is a fear of mine that some of us, when we come to church, we don't put, we're not putting on the hat of in ministry, but we're putting on the hat of consumers, right? We get here to church. We might get here late, but we make sure we get our donut and coffee. And then we, we trickle into the service, and then we might sing a few songs. I, I might half pay attention to the sermon. And then before the last song, during the last song, I jet out of here, and I have not talked to anyone. What kind of ministry is that? Is that a thriving ministry? No, that's, that, sounds, that, that sounds horrendous. That sounds like something that is lacking. That's a lacking ministry, one that it would not be thriving. 
So all of us are in ministry, okay? And as we come here to gather as the body of believers, we're all in ministry. I do think there are some groups of people that get overlooked, that we kind of give them a pass probably based on their age or, or life status or however that we just kind of go, you know what, we're doing the ministry and, and we just kind of overlook them. The first group I think is children. I think children are greatly overlooked in terms of the work and ministry. First, parents, if you have kids, they are your first mission field. You know, get them Jesus early on. Get them to, to see the love of Jesus. But as soon as they become Christians themselves, we need to implement them in ministry to get them already in the mindset that it's not something that when you become adult that you do later on, but that they are already the church today. One of the, I just read a study recently that, um, about the uh, study that they took families who their kids went away to college and they remained in the faith. So many kids go off to college, right? They grow up in the church and they go off to college and then they end up leaving the church altogether. But these are families that their kids stayed in the faith and they, they did a survey just to kind of see what did those families do? And they, of the top results, one and two, one was that there was scripture read in their home. Second, that there was prayer in their home. There's just this culture of scripture reading and prayer. The third one was amazing to me. The third one on the list was that they were in, that they, they just said service. And then they went on to explain, it's not that their kids just, they attended church, that they were in service warming up the seat, but they became integrated in the church body, that they were given a place to serve, that they weren't just a consumer of the church body, but they were partakers of it, that they were an active participant of it. So kids are in ministry just as much as we are in adults, and they have different little ones that they could be ministering to. So First, that's, that's kids. Second, grandparents. We don't talk enough about how grandparents have a special place with their grandchildren. And if you don't have any grandchildren, adopt some, okay? And, and grandparents, you, I mean, I know people that they had great parents growing up, but they would attribute a lot of how they view the world through what their grandfather or grandmother taught them. And if you go, you know, I just, I'm struggling to relate to my grandkids or even how to talk about the faith. I, I have two suggestions for you. Being that I'm not a grandparent, but I've had grandparents and they did a pretty good job. What, two suggestions. First, you might laugh at this, but learn how to text. <laughs> learn how to text. If you want to communicate and have an open dialogue with your grandkids, learn how to text. They won't ever talk to you on the phone, but they will text you. Okay? Second, Give them money. <laughs> Look for special ways to give them money. My daddy Murr, growing up, anytime I would see him, I always knew that there was going to be like a $10 bill popping up somewhere in my clothes or my room or something with a little love note. Or anytime I got a, a letter in the mail from him, there was always like a $20 bill. And then he would always circle around and be like, hey, what did you spend that money on? Having that dialogue of, he learned so much about me just by what I decided to spend that money on or if I decided to save it. And then eventually it came, hey, did you, did you tithe? Did you, did, you, did you think about that? Like what that even meant when I gave you that money? It opened up avenues of conversation that never would have taken place if he wasn't looking for a way. I'm not talking about a huge sum of money, but if he wasn't looking for a way to say, hey, I want to just slip him 10 bucks. So yeah, so learn how to text and look for ways to give them money, okay? And as we continue to, to grow in the faith, then we'll all be ministers of the gospel, growing up and bringing together the, closely, the closeness of the body of Christ. Now, I can already see kind of the wheels spinning and some of you kind of the objection, kind of like, ah, 
I, I don't know yet. I'm not convinced that I, I'm in ministry. I, I, honestly, I agree, but at the same time, I feel inadequate. Like, I don't have enough Bible knowledge. I, I definitely haven't gone to seminary. I, I mean, how, how am I to be used for the ministry or in ministry? Well, when you look through God's word, most of the people that God used were inadequate i.e. the example, the disciples. The disciples were greatly inadequate. Yet look what he did. God took him. Jesus chose the disciples, fishermen, and he used them to be the springboard for his church. If you're inadequate, that is a great place to be because you know what? That means that it's not going to be done in your strength. Guess whose strength it's going to be done in? His strength. So if you're inadequate or you feel inadequate, that is a great place to be. But we can also learn. As you continue in ministry, you, you learn. It is a learning process. Much like, have any of you taken a, a device, maybe a phone or a laptop or something to the Apple store? You know, something's going haywire and it's not quite working. And you take it into the Apple store and you give it to one of their geniuses. We'll talk about labeling, right? And they give, you give it to one of their geniuses to figure out if they don't, if it confuses them or befuddles them and they can't fix it, you know what they do? They don't try to make something up to impress you. What they say is, let's go figure, let's go find the answer together. Let's go find the answer together. And they bring it over to probably their manager and he will figure it out and find the answer. In the same way with our, in ministry, either you're talking to a non-believer or another Christian, if you don't know the answer, don't make something up, say, you know what, let me find that for you. Let's go figure out the answer together. Because we all don't know the scriptures perfectly. We're all still learning. We all really are inadequate. And so being inadequate, that isn't a, a great excuse. I mean, in, in my growth group, the last growth group session, we were talking about evangelism and, and how we should do it and, and ways that are profitable. And, and there was this common theme of just people, the same thing. Of, you know, I, I want to do this so badly. I want to share my faith because it's the most important thing to me. But I... I just don't know how. I feel inadequate. And a, a gentleman who's been in our growth group for years finally said, hey, you know what? Why? Could we maybe do some role play? Could we practice how to share your faith? In my job, when I'm speaking with clients, I know exactly what to say, what to say when and how to say it because I've practiced with my, with my peers, with my coworkers. This isn't something, I'm not just fresh off the block talking with clients. And it's like, great, let's, so we took a whole night and practiced how to share our faith with each other. So being inadequate isn't necessarily a great excuse because we need to always be getting in God's word, engaging with his spirit, with God's people in his timing. A second major objection that I can, I can already see forming is, well, I, I don't want to, <laughs> right? Or I would rather be fishing, Right? Kind of this personal reluctance of, of you know, I, I, I know, but I know people are, might think I'm weird or they might think I'm strange or it really reveals something deep about me and I feel vulnerable in that. Well, what I have to say about that is when we love something so much, which all of us have these things that we, we love and we like, when you love something, you can't help but talk about it. I, I, there's, there's people I run into all the time, and when I see them walking down the street, John or, 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 or Joe or whatever his name is, I know exactly what he's going to talk about because I've talked to him before, and he's brought it up every other time I've seen him, right? We all know people like that. So we all have these things that we love and we love to talk about. Just like in Luke chapter 6 where it says, um, out of the heart the mouth speaks. What we love, we talk about. 
And so we all have these topics of conversation. And so after being reached and rescued and, and experiencing the cross and what Christ has done in our life, we can't help but share them. And this reluctance kind of boils down to two things. It boils down to two things. First, we don't value God's word enough and we don't love others enough. We, we don't value God's word enough and we don't love other people enough. Because the greater value that we have in his word, the, the more that we the know it, the more that it's in our heart, the more that it's, it's a part of us, it's just going to come out of every way, every conversation, every comment. People are going to have conversations with you, and they're just going to be soaked with God's truth. Um, we need to be opportunistic about this, where we are looking for opportunities to see where we can just implement, you know, I read this in God's Bible word this morning. How do I fit this into conversation? Kind of like my childhood dog, Tyke. It was a beautiful lassie, and it had one love, okay, to escape the backyard. <laughs> its entire mission in life was to get out of the backyard. If there was any door that was cracked, if there was any gate that just happened to be unlocked, if there was any window that was open because it was too hot, guess where Tyke was? <laughs> he was out of there. And then we had to go chase him down. We need to be the same way. Any, any opening, any chance in which we get a chance to share what we love most, we need to take advantage of him. And if we don't love people enough to share what we know is the most important thing, what we do is we need to be praying for one another. We need to fall deeper in love with people because we have a temptation and we don't even realize we're doing it, is that we love the relationship with others more than we actually love the person, right? Because if we don't ever want to bring something up, even if it's the most important thing to us with someone because it might risk the relationship, we love the relationship with that person more than the person. Because if Christ is the most important thing to us that we can't, but we don't want to bring it up with them, that means we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to maybe lose that relationship. There are some relationships in which prayerfully, and through God's word and through his spirit and in his timing, we do need to bring up, hey, this is the most important thing to me and I need to let you know what it is. And it is Jesus Christ, my savior. And we do this with other Christians too, right? We need to be building each other up. And sometimes we're even reluctant because it, again, it's, it's risky. It's, it's vulnerable. We don't really sometimes don't want to do it. I'd like to be liked and I, I want to be viewed in a certain way. Well, in Christ, that all comes down because our identity is in him. So talking about that we're all in ministry, all building up the church together, what does this mean? If you go back to our chart, um, you know, reached and then grow, you, number, number of you, you observant you, um, have seen it and gone, hey, after rescued, after the cross, there's grow, but there's two lines. There's a green line and a blue line. And today we're talking about the blue line. We're talking about how we're all in ministry, and that is empowered. And so this whole graph in which we want you to be able to remember and reproduce and share with other people is we're reaching people and we're growing. After we um, come to the cross, we're growing and we are empowered. We want to be all empowered in ministry. And that's what we mean when we say disciples, disciple, or all Christians are in ministry. So what does this look like? What does this mean? Let's unpack this a little bit. So there's three aspects of empowered. First, reach. 
When you are reached, what that, when you are empowered, what that means is then you're going back and reaching others. Because you have experienced Christ, then now you're looking back and you're, you're looking towards him, but you're also looking back and say, who else needs to know what Jesus has done for them? We have great examples uh, here in this church. Last week, um, I had a, a lady, Martina Bowersock. She came up to me after the 11 o'clock service and says, hey, I need you to meet this gal. And she had a friend with her. And she says, she became a Christian yesterday. Isn't that incredible? And she started telling me how it took place. Well, Martina, I've known for a long time, she is an evangelist. She loves to reach. She has regular gatherings in her home just to gather people. She calls them network meetings, and she invites all the people that she's done business with recently to get together to network. But then she says, I'm going to take some time and always share about Jesus and how he's changed my life. Incredible. And as Christians, we need to be looking for ways just like Martina to share what we know to be true. I mean, this could be, this doesn't have to be as, you know, official as Martina does, but we all have opportunities. You could even look at the holidays like 4th of July, Halloween, Super Bowl. Can you count that as a holiday? Probably, right? I mean, it's a holiday. And all these gatherings where you can get people who don't know Jesus together and start that relationship to get to the place where you can share Jesus with, with them. So reach. We need to be people who are thinking about how do we reach back to people that don't know Jesus. Second, Grow. We need to be providing opportunities and helping one another continue to grow in the faith because it's not enough that to be reached and then after the cross to just grow yourself. We're now helping others, building up the body, growing each other. And as a church, we have almost an embarrassment of riches in this area. We have tremendous Bible studies here, happening here on Sunday morning and midweek. I mean, on Wednesday morning with Bill Lucy and, and his Bible study up at Coco's off Avery. I mean, we have the Wilsons. They just got through a marriage Bible study. We, we have so many opportunities to help each other grow in the Lord to build up his church that, I mean, many of you just look around and go, wow, we are so blessed. But how do we, in, in ministry, how do we empower each other to grow? That means we are providing Areas and opportunities for other people to mature in their faith, to experience it, to get into their word, into God's word, and to talk about it and converse about it with each other. And again, as a church, we are very rich in this area, but continue it. Great job. We are in ministry together, and as a church, we're, we're stronger because of it. And then lastly, we are to then empower. So we reach, we reach others, we help others grow, and then we are also empowering others in ministry. Being in ministry, you're, you're duplicating yourself. You're empowering others to do the same thing as well. So any of you who, you know, you've, you've enabled ministry when you've, you're in a ministry and you help someone get started in that ministry, or maybe you help let them take over your position, so then you go look for another position. You've helped train them up as a leader. Any of you that help with prayer, or funding of the Ukraine mission trip, or even the Philippine mission trip, thank you for enabling others to, to continue on in the ministry. Any of you who support our great list of missionaries and are constantly praying for them, thank you for enabling ministry to be done, where you can't be there, but you're enabling others to continue on. I mean, this, this empower, so this reach, grow, and empower, this isn't another church program. This is something that is done, that's out, almost outside of the church, that we're all coming together in ministry together to continue to build up the church. So individually and corporately, we can almost rate ourselves on this. How am I doing in reaching? How am I doing in growing? How am I doing with empowering? Now, if we just don't have the empower part of our graph, 
which is a temptation that you, you've been reached and you know the love of Jesus and then you are just focused on yourself. That is not, in your terms of your growing towards Christ, that's not what Paul has called us to do. He has called us, again, to reach out to others to help them along the way. I mean, if we're not, then we're kind of like um, the character Henry in Cannery Row. Have any of you read that Steinbeck uh, novel? Anyway, in it, he talks about this character named Henry. He's a Frenchman who loves boats. He, for 10 years, he has this boat, and it's dry docked, and he's working on it, and he's refurbishing it. And the day before he's about to launch it, he tears out everything that he had done, and he starts doing it in a different design. And he does this over again, and then again, and again. And the townspeople start watching him going, he's been doing this for 10 years. Why does he keep doing this? Well, the truth comes out that Henry loved boats, but he hated the water. <laughs> Henry loved boats, but he hated the water. And we can do the exact same thing in the sense that we can be built up, we can grow towards Christ, but then we miss the very purpose in which helping others grow towards him as well. And, but we don't have the luxury of being dry dock. We, as soon as we become a Christian, we are thrust right into ministry. So we're already in the water while we're growing. I mean, have you ever noticed that the best evangelists many times are brand new converts to Christ? It's because they are just so amped on what Christ has done in their heart and how it's changed their life, how they've put off the old and put on the new and, and the new direction that they're headed towards that they can't wait to tell the people that don't know Jesus about him. And we need to be the same way. So for a second, imagine with me what a church looks like that's an empowered church. And an empowered church, that is a thriving church. I mean, it's, it's not a boring church to be a part of by any means because we're all in ministry. It's, it's not a church where I just attend and have my needs met and then I come to service and then I leave and go and then I don't think about it for the rest of the week. Right? You might as well just have gone to a restaurant and, or maybe the gym. I mean, what a waste of a Sunday morning. An empowered church is a church where men are getting together with men, getting into God's word, discussing it, implementing it into their hearts to be better fathers and sons to the king, how to, to lead their families, being vulnerable with one another. An empowered church are women getting together with women in God's word, seeing how their lives are changed by, by Christ and what he has done on the cross to, to be better daughters and, and mothers and wives. An empowered church is, is a church where high schoolers and junior hires are, are going to school emboldened by what Jesus has done, even though they know they're going to be looked at as weird. And yet they know they're not missing out on anything at the parties and all of that because what they have in Jesus is better. An empowered church is a church in which you can't wait to tell your friends and neighbors, hey, you need to come to church because if you're not there, you're missing out. Because the Spirit is doing something powerful and, and people's lives are being changed. That is an empowered church. That is a church I want to be a part of. I hope that's a church that you want to be a part of. It is a church in which we are all in ministry together, empowered, being transformed in the likeness of Christ. So now, the next question that should naturally come to us, okay, if we're all in ministry, if disciples are making disciples and, and we are empowered, what do we do? Right? Do we, what is it? And so if you look at the ministry that we all are partaking of, the common denominator is this. We are in word ministry. We're in word ministry. Look at, um, back at Ephesians. Ephesians uh, 4, starting at verse 15, it says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ 
from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we are in word ministry. So again, in the the discipleship chart, every time you progress, it's because words have been shared with you, right? God's word through his spirit, through God's people in his timing. All of us are sharing the word. I mean, gospel literally means good news. I mean, news is only shared through words. I mean, all of you have probably heard that... um, that quote that's attributed to uh, St. Francis of Assisi, right? Preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. When you, Every time you hear that, just go, wrong, right? Because the very gospel is the word. I mean, in the beginning was the word, was the essence of Christ. And as people who are in ministry together, we are sharing the words of Christ with one another, I mean, can you imagine going to high school and pick any subject you want and you've never learned anything about it? It's the first day and the teacher tries to start teaching you about that subject without saying anything, without using words. I mean, maybe sign language. But um, even then, you are still communicating something, right? You're communicating words. And as Christ followers, we are to use our words because words are very powerful. I heard a very true story of a mom confessing about her son. that Her son, her five-year-old son, came up to her and said, Mommy, Mommy, I can make someone cry using only my words. When when you hear that from a five-year-old, whoa. But how true that is, that our words have so much power and force behind them. And that's why Paul is instructing us to speak in love, speak the truth in love, to build each other up. Because like in James where it talks about that our, our tongue can cause wildfires in someone's heart and life. That to build each other up, we are to speak in love. The church should be the safest place to be struggling to be struggling with sin. We know that we're wrestling with it, that we're trying to be transformed in the likeness of Christ. It needs to be the safest place. I mean, have any of you ever heard someone talking about a position, you know, and maybe you agree with the position, but just the way that they talk about it, you kind of hope that they're wrong, right? Because it's maybe too abrasive or, or abrupt. We, but what Paul is saying is, no, even the way that we talk about the truth, because we, have, we are so confident in the truth, we don't have to get riled up about it. Even if someone assaults it, even if someone misunderstands it or misquotes it or, or doesn't just get it right off, we can be patient, we can be loving in how we talk about it and build each other up because, you know, we have full faith in God's word, in his spirit, and in his timing. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these ministers in this room. Lord, help us to partake in the work of ministry of building up your church, that we will continue to make disciples, that we will reach one another, and that we will grow each other in your word, and that we will empower one another in ministry. Uh, Lord, I just I thank you for what you're doing here at South Shores. I thank you for what you're doing all around Orange County. I thank, thank you for what you're doing across the globe. Uh, Lord, because your word is being preached and people are coming to know Jesus because people, because you have empowered us to be in ministry. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.